Hi, my name is Chris Payne. I am the CEO of Jane Iredale. And what I love about beauty is really the contradiction or the duality of beauty in that it's, on the one hand, it's a completely discretionary product, but on the other hand, it's actually such a meaningful and almost indispensable product that really changes people's lives every day. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, this is Mimi Banks, and you're listening to Beauty is Your Business. And today I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming my friend Chris Payne, the CEO of Jane Iredale. Hi, Chris. Hello, Mimi. Great to see you. I'm so excited to see you, Chris, and spend time talking to you about you and sharing your incredible story. We've known each other for almost 20 years, and it really all began at L'Oreal. And it's so interesting to see where your career started and how it's evolved. And as we were just saying, all roads at some point lead us back to L'Oreal. So it would only be appropriate if we started with or learned more about your amazing career path. Well, thank you. You're totally correct. All roads kind of do lead back or through L'Oreal. You know, when you're the world's largest beauty company, I think that has a big piece of that. But my career path was actually quite untraditional and and a little maybe organic would be a good way to put it. I had no dreams or desires or plans to be in in marketing or the beauty industry. I studied anthropology at the University of Michigan and you know really didn't have a plan with that. I just really enjoyed studying uh, the, the subject matter and I still read up on it from time to time. But I worked at a store on campus, uh, kind of a mini REI. Anybody who went to Michigan, I was the buyer and manager of the clothing area. That was a new part of the store. And I really fell in love with retail and buying. I ended up then entering the buying training program at a department store called Dayton Hudson Marshall Fields that was based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was an assistant buyer. And then after six months, I got moved to become a merchandise planner in the Better Cosmetics division of the cosmetics department. And I really did not know why they were moving me to cosmetics. I I didn't know anything about makeup. I mean, I did love fragrance, I guess, as a, when I was in my teens and, and at the time. But I got moved into better cosmetics. I didn't know what foundation was. I remember asking my girlfriend at the time if she was wearing foundation and she said yes, and I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I just thought that it was everything was natural. But I fell in love with beauty because it was such an emotional product and it was so essential and it was creative. And yet it was also this daily business was something that people rely on and use every day. And so there was this tremendous creativity and excitement, but it was also such a big business and it was such a analytical business at the same time that it was truly this combination of right brain, left brain. And after two years of doing that, I switched sides of the table and that's really where I began my L'Oreal journey. I became an account executive for the designer fragrance division of L'Oreal USA. At the time, it was called Cosmere. And I really managed the account. I just kind of just switched sides of the table. And after a year of doing that, L'Oreal actually moved me to New York and I became a marketing manager for Ralph Lauren Domestic Marketing. Did a couple years of that. And then I became the head of U.S. marketing for Giorgio Armani Fragrances in the U.S. 
kind of learning how to then work with like the French global teams, et cetera. And after three years of Armani, I switched over to do Ralph Lauren global marketing or at L'Oreal called the DMI. And that was really more now I ran, I was in charge of men's globally. So working on the launches and, you know, as a kid growing up in Iowa, remembering the day in eighth grade when I got my first polo shirt, it was a pretty big deal to sit across the table from Ralph Lauren and present ideas to him. It was, I mean, truly, truly surreal. It's something I can still vividly remember. But after a few years of that, I decided that I really wanted to transition out of fragrance and expand my repertoire. I didn't want to just be a fragrance person. And so I made the move over to Longcomb in the US, working on the skincare team. And totally different, working, you know, going from fragrances, which are usually small, kind of more nimble teams, very creative storytelling, to really more of a bit of a fusion of science and creativity with the skincare team at Longcomb. And after two years of that, I decided to again take another change and kind of expand my horizon. And I had lived in New York at this point for 10 years, I'd been at L'Oreal for 11 years, and I just decided I wanted to just make some changes. I was presented with the, recruited for and presented with the opportunity to work for, at the time, what was kind of a startup skincare company called Clarisonic, based out in Seattle, Washington. And, you know, devices weren't really well known at the time. This was like fall 2009. But I interviewed people who used the product and they couldn't live without it. So if you talk to 20 people in the building, 19 of them barely knew what it was. But that one person out of 20 who had one couldn't live without it. And so I felt there was an opportunity to just tell the story a little differently and to help level up kind of the marketing and kind of the approach to the business. Because they had this amazing product, these amazing engineers, these amazing scientists. We just needed a, we needed a little help. So I decided to leave New York, quit L'Oreal, move to Seattle. It's my first foray into kind of private equity or equity-based kind of positions. And I fell in love with working in a smaller environment it was something I really wanted to do because I wanted to be able to touch kind of everything. I wanted to have my hands into everything and really be able to move the needle and be able to make decisions that really helped the company, the brand, the teams. And so that really just started the next phase of my career. And it worked, it worked out great. We sold the company a couple of years later, actually to L'Oreal, got my, you know, my old employee number back. And I did another year there where then I made a switch back to New York, but working for a, this time a different kind of a B2B sampling company, Arcade Marketing. It was another private equity-based position that I just, I really liked working in those kind of environments. We sold that company to another firm, did a little transition there. And then I took my next opportunity actually out in Scottsdale, Arizona as the CMO, head of marketing, digital product development for a professional grade skincare company called PCA Skin. And after a, a couple few more years, we sold that to Colgate Palmolive. And then after a little transition there, I had my opportunity here at Jane Iredale to become the CEO in June of 2019. And the reason I'm at Jane and the reason I was at PCA is, you know, I had a 10, 11 years really working in prestige, which I loved. It was such an amazing training ground. But at Clarisonic, I got that introduction into professional channel and the professional. And Clarisonic was both retail and digital and professional, Durham spas, et cetera. I really fell in love with the professional channel. I mean, I still believe very much in an omni-channel approach, whether you're in retail or whether you're in pro and digital. I think that having that in real life and online is very important to a brand for a variety of reasons. 
But I really fell in love with that professional channel. That's what took me to PCA Skin. And, you know, here at Jane, we're really the original clean makeup brand and really the original professional makeup brand. And, you know, we're the leading makeup brand within the professional channel. And it's something that I truly love and value because it is such a wonderful place to discover products, to discover techniques from, you know, real, the OG influencers, the professional. Totally. And now we'll come back to your your ex-girlfriend and talk to her yeah, about some foundation. Right. I'm sure it'll be a much different kind of conversation. Yeah, I know a little bit more. I had no idea there was, at the time, there were so many varieties and types or that it even was a thing. I just thought everyone was naturally beautiful, I guess. But I love all beauty. I love fragrance. I love makeup. I love bad body. I love skincare. I think I love the professional channel because I like treatments is actually a not talked about enough part of beauty. Beauty isn't just the products you put on your skin. It's also the care you give your skin. It's ingestibles, it's supplements, it's treatments, it's services. All of that is beauty. And it's such a rich and it's such an expanding environment. You know, if you go back 20, 30 years, you know, Botox didn't even exist. The idea of the laser treatments was a very select number of people on the coast who were doing those things. Now you have laser clinics, you have peels, you have facials, you have hydrofacial, you have injectables. It's such a rich and there's so much more offerings at different price points, at different you know downtime levels, at different, you can really work with your partner to achieve so many different outcomes that it's such a dynamic space. So 20, 30 years ago, I never would have even guessed I would know these things, but I feel really fortunate to have had the opportunities I had because, you know, coming from an anthropology liberal arts degree, I didn't even think this world was possible. But all those steps, you know, whether it be at the retailer, then being in sales for a little bit, then wonderful. I got the opportunity to work with such wonderful people at L'Oreal. Carlos Timraus was a boss. Ed Fox was a wonderful boss. Sarah Sherardini was a wonderful boss. Like these are people who really, you know, Jack Wiswall was just a force to really like learn from. It was such a unique and such a special space. I mean, I didn't really work directly for her, but, you know, Leslie Marino was a huge force in my life. These were people that were so generous with teaching and learning, you know, even later on, like having someone like Carol Hamilton, you know, when I was at Longcomb and even at Clarisonic, you know, these are people who had done so much in their career and they were willing to teach somebody who didn't have a traditional background or even people like in the creative world, like Michael Jorgensen, you know, he, I've learned as much from him as anybody else. And at that time at L'Oreal, there's such an immense amount of talent and experience and such an environment of teaching and learning that it can be hard at times. It's a challenging environment. You know, this is biggest in the world for a reason, but if you embrace it and if you embrace wanting to learn and grow, and if you embrace kind of reaching out and find, you know, there's the old saying, you know, if the front door's locked, you go to the window. If the window's locked, you go behind back. And if that's locked, you go up to the roof to go in the chimney. Like if you have the attitude that I want to like learn and grow and help and build, it was such an amazing place to start and learn that I wouldn't be here today talking to you if it wasn't for that. Yeah, I mean, same. I always say some of the brightest people that I've ever met in my life came from L'Oreal. That still holds true and they're leading the companies and it's the foundation and the pillars and of working in beauty and how to do business and really professionalizing that approach or learning at a very young age how to do it. I mean, I'm the same and I wasn't even directly in marketing in the beginning of my career and just but being taught by marketers or brilliant minds in general, how to think, how to ask questions, how to look at business. 
was one of the best experiences. Also shaped my career too. And I think that's another thing too about that early experience. It didn't matter what division or brand you were on or function you were in. It was how can I improve this? How can I do a better job? And that was in HR. It was in learning and development, marketing, sales. It was always about continual improvement. And I think that's where learning comes in. That's where teaching. But you have to have the mindset of I want to improve. If you don't have that mindset, yeah. If you don't have that, it's a struggle. It does struggle no matter where you would be. But if you have that mindset, that kind of environment can be really electrifying. I agree with you. The growth mindset, and it's something that I've really learned to appreciate, even of having my own business or looking at products that we've made or putting out to our clients, how can we better service them? And each time I was just saying that, I think that we've this is the best we've done. We, every time we keep improving when we're talking about a product. And I literally said that this morning. That's so funny. But that mindset and then that space to kind of help grow that mindset, it's what's allowed me, I think, to have some success with these smaller, more independent companies. Because when you're at a smaller company, you know, whether it was Clarisonic or PCA Skin or now Jane, you don't have endless resources. You don't have endless people coming in from every top school in the country. You have to find ways to move the needle. Because if you don't move the needle, your business doesn't move forward. When you're at a giant corporation, there can be so many different areas that offset things that go on elsewhere. So when you're at a smaller company, and I'm sure you can relate to this, it's up to you. You know, the old saying, if it is to be, it's up to me, really reigns supreme because you have to move the needle. So you have to decide, you have, and that training and then putting it into action, you know, it really allows you to be like, okay, if I'm going to spend this money on this marketing initiative, or if I'm going to spend the money on these samples, or if I'm going to spend the money on these ads or on this event, is it going to actually matter? Is it going to actually move the needle? Because if it doesn't, there's no other division to make up for your decline. <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> and so really, so you started from super big, went to super small startup. And then where does Jane fit into that kind of picture of company size? Well, Jane is similar in size to when I started at Clarisonic. I think though, actually, even though I started at like, say, Dayton Hudson Marshall Fields, which was the company that founded Target. You know, the department store division was much smaller than Target. So that was kind of had a little bit of a piece. But working on A in sales, but then in fragrances at L'Oreal was a really interesting way to start because you don't have like a copy department. You know, you don't have a training department. You know, you don't have a, a promotional department. You do every one of those departments. So you really have to learn how to wear a lot of hats. That's very beneficial to obviously a small company. But Jane is, you know, roughly the size of when I started at Clarisonic. We're a small to mid-size company. You know, we're going to do, I would say we're over 50 and we're under 100 million, right? Smack kind of in the middle. So we're, we're big enough to be able to invest in some, you know, in initiatives and to do things like influencer marketing or some you know, influencer events. The pro channel is really our bread and butter. So we spend a lot of you know, time and energy and money on things like, you know, sales reps and how we support our professional partners. At the end of the day, we're still a nimble, agile, entrepreneurial company. We want to make smart decisions and we want to make them fast. And, and I hate to use cliches, but you kind of want to fail fast. You want to make sure you have clear goals that you can measure and then move on from. Either do more of it or do less of it, but always be doing something 
to learn from. Great. And so we've talked a little bit about Jane. I would love to hear from you, the CEO. Just tell us more about Jane Iredale and what really makes the brand unique. Well, I hope you have some time on your hands because it's an (laughs) amazing story. Jane is kind of almost a kindred spirit because Jane had really no background in makeup or in formulating. You know, she wasn't a makeup artist founder. She wasn't a product development founder. Jane was simply a really strong smart. And she had this mindset of, I'm going to challenge the industry because Jane grew up actually more on the, on the Broadway side, on arts and entertainment, you know, on stage, on film, on screen. She was a producer. She was also though a casting director. And in that role and in that experience, she would notice really like the impacts of a lot of that heavy stage and, you know, that heavy makeup at the time on the actor's skin. So you got to think this is the 1980s, you know, mid, late 80s, early 90s. The idea of clean makeup wasn't even in the lexicon. So Jane overheard a president of a modeling agency say that they wouldn't hire any models who have bad skin because it is too hard to find them work. And Jane was really inspired to fix that. She felt that it wasn't fair, you know, that somebody's skin that A, the makeup they're using is potentially causing their skin to break out, causing their skin to have inflammation, redness, causing their skin to prematurely age. That's not a fair hindrance on somebody's life, on somebody's career, on somebody's future. You know, she was into clean and ingredients and wellness before it was even a thing. And so she felt that when she looked at the ingredients on on traditional makeup, that it really didn't have to be that way. Jane really, again, she pioneered clean because it wasn't just about what you take out of the formula. Jane's core philosophy was what you put in to the formula. That's why the tagline has always been the skincare makeup. Because look, I can't say with 100% certainty that she was the inventor of the category, but she was absolutely definitively either the inventor or one of the very first people because she pioneered really the idea of skincare makeup and the fact that makeup... You shouldn't just be able to have great makeup. You should be able to have great makeup that's great for your skin. And so she started out with a product called Amazing Base, which was a loose powder, which was great for stage and film, obviously, because of you know flashback and glare and whatnot. But that product had anti-inflammatory properties. It had was you know antioxidant properties. It had nourishing ingredients that you know not only helped camouflage the skin and to help act as a great coverage product, but it also, again, helped enrich the skin. So you weren't just covering your skin with this heavy makeup that was actually interfering with your skin and causing breakouts, causing redness, causing irritation. And so from there, Jane didn't really have this ambition to become like the next Estee Lauder or the next Elizabeth Arden or Helena Rubinstein or something. So the professional community, like estheticians and whatnot, They found the product and realized that they could use it on their patients who were suffering from, who had breakout prone skin, or really people who were getting laser treatments, chemical peels. And again, you got to think back in the 90s, the peels and the lasers were not quite as refined as they are today. So your skin definitely had reactions and and redness. And they could use Amazing Base, the loose powder, post-procedure because it it was such a well developed formula that it wouldn't cause any irritation. It wouldn't cause any disruption with the procedure that the doctor had performed, but it would add SPF protection. It was, it helped with inflammation and it also helped cover up the redness so that the patient 
didn't have to suffer through this like, you know, seven days of redness, you know, in downtime. They could actually walk out of the office feeling somewhat normal and it, and it was improving the skin at the same time. And it was great makeup. And again, it wasn't interfering and it was also helping. And so that really was the birth of the brand and of really the brand in the pro channel. And more and more doctors started to, to find out about it, estheticians, professional makeup artists started learning about it, realizing it was amazing on set or use with their actors. And from there, you know, that was all in the early, mid, late 90s. And then it just kind of took off from there. I had no idea. That's incredible. That's really incredible in terms of pioneering. She was way ahead of her time specifically with the lasers or any kind of the treatments that was also in the early stages where people didn't have the post-treatment skincare like they have today. It really didn't exist. Now there's post-treatment skincare, but we are you know, really the leading brand in the professional channel when it comes to makeup. And one of our signature parts of the brand is what we call our afterglow treatment, which if you're in the pro channel, you, know, you don't always think of the pro channel being where you go to buy makeup. So, and our approach to the pro channel is not to be a retailer of makeup. Our approach is to integrate Jane Iredale and Jane Iredale makeup into really the services and the treatments and to what the, what the, the professional practitioner is providing, because we're there to help the professional and to help the professionals really performance with their patient. If the patient has better outcome, if the patient has better success with the treatments and the services they're receiving, then we're helping that partner have a better practice and we're helping that patient have better outcomes. So our afterglow treatment is really how we open up a lot of accounts. It's a curated assortment of really about six to eight products that they're using post-peel, post-facial, post-hydrofacial, post-laser, post-injection, and it's helping with coverage. It's helping with camouflaging. It's helping with SPF protection, with inflammation. And that way, the provider isn't a retailer of makeup. Jane is integrated into the treatment room. Now, from there, that's a wonderful place for them to then also expand you know, the patient's basket in terms of adding a lip product, adding an eye product, et cetera. And then we also target treatment. We have treatment you know, solutions for lip products, brow products, lash products. Really, again, it's all about how do we integrate into the practice? And then, you know, we are a full service makeup brand. Once you fall in love with our foundation or our concealer or one of our hydration sprays, you're definitely then going to want to buy also, whether it be an eyeshadow, maybe it's a blush stick, a lipstick, et cetera. So speaking of products, are there any upcoming launches we should know about? New products? We just actually launched two amazing new products this fall a hydrating cream lipstick called Color Lux. That's done phenomenally well. It's in a wonderful product, amazing shades. And then really right now we're in the midst of launching, it's our first ever actually liquid concealer called Pure Match. It's available in 16 shades. And it's our first really liquid, you know, doe foot applicator concealer. We've had traditionally more color correcting concealers that have been uh, usually a little bit thicker, hot pour concealers. This is our first liquid, more shade matching concealer. And it's been a wonderful addition for us because it's, for us at least, it's been very much white space. We have a couple things next, later next, you know, in the spring, which we'll kind of keep under wraps. But the other big thing that's happening for us is really the continuation of what we call the skincare makeup system. And this for us is represents about a third of our business. I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but we have the best press powder in the business called Pure Press Base. One sells every 60 seconds. 
I will give it to anybody because I know that they'll end up buying it or they'll tell their friends about it and they'll end up buying it. It's the amount of ex L'Oreal people I have given it to who were diehard dual finish users have all converted to pure press base. It's super lightweight. It's better than your skin. It feels like you have nothing on, but it gives you SPF protection. It's a foundation that allows your skin to breathe. But then we pair that with our primers. We have three primers, a brightening and illuminating and a mattifying, but it's our primer, our pure press base, and then our pomace hydration spray. Those three products are about a third of our business. We call it the skincare makeup system because those three products together are going to give you the best makeup and the best skin of your life. And I mean, we put our name on it because it's that, and it's, it's how we open up new accounts. It's how we bring people into the brand. Because if you use those three products out of anything else that we have, we guarantee that you're going to have an amazing experience. And our professionals trust it. So it helps them give their patients and their clients a better experience. And I think you already sold me. I'm sure that the people listening right now are dying to buy the products. Where can they find Jane Iredell if they want to buy? We try to be where they are. The core of our business is the professional channel. So that's dermatology offices, med spas, day spas, some salons, resort destination. We have a partner finder on our website, but we're in over 4,000 professional accounts in the U.S. So odds are we are within driving distance of, of anyone. We're not in traditional retail like Sephora or Ulta. We are in Blue Mercury. We're not in all doors yet, but we're rolling out. Blue Mercury is one of our our strongest partners. We've had tremendous success with them. They're wonderful people to work with and we really value the relationship and we really value the model that Blue Mercury has. It's such a curated assortment of, of wonderful brands. And then we also are online. You know, we have our own website. We're on Amazon Premium Beauty. We're on Derm Store. We have a limited selection on Ulta uh, as well as Nordstrom.com. And then we're also available internationally. You know, we're in over 70 countries around the world. We have a very robust and growing international business as well. But before we end, I wanted to talk about something that I found fascinating when you were telling me about when we ran into each other at Cosmoprof, which is the community. The community plays an extra large role in the business, and it's very family oriented. And that if you go down the streets, everybody knows Jane, and it's just this whole world of Jane in the community. Can you share with the audience a little bit more about that? Oh, absolutely. The community is definitely just an integral part of our DNA. Jane founded this company, really the idea of it while she was working, you know, on, in film and TV and, and, and on stage in New York. But Jane, she was so into wellness and nature and community. She would spend weeks and then summers up in both the Catskills or in, or in the Berkshires. And really she fell in love with the Berkshires, which is in Western Massachusetts. And she specifically fell in love with the town Great Barrington, which is one of the towns in, in the Berkshires. It's where we are headquartered today. The company really took its roots in Great Barrington, you know, over, you know, almost 30 years ago. And the company first started out in the lower level of her house and her and her husband lived upstairs. Her mom lived across the street and it was a family affair. As the business continued to grow, the business took over more and more space and then we, she, she would lease some space. But then as time went on, you know, Jane, and again, Jane loved the community in Great Barrington so much. She actually bought the old elementary school, which was across the street from her house, which is just a couple blocks off of Main Street. And her and her husband, Bob, they converted the old elementary school into the headquarters. 
which was a multi-year project, a very expensive project, because it was, you know, this is a building that was built in the 1800s. So it had to have tremendous work done. But it was so important to Jane to not just have an office in Great Barrington, but to restore such a beautiful building and make an old building a vibrant part of the community. Uh, and then our warehouse, you know, we have a warehouse right across the street, you know, from our, our headquarters. Jane, like many people, could have just gone to a 3PL in some other city, but she felt it was important to have the warehouse in the town, have the product ship out of where the, where the company's based, because it provides meaningful work, meaningful jobs for the community. And it's also, it's where the company is. And we, we do our web fulfillment is also done right out of town here. You know, we have a little campus almost, and Jane still lives across the street from the office. And so we are an omnipresent part of the community. Our workforce is the community. Jane and her husband, Bob, have always been such amazing partners to the community in terms of giving back. We give back locally, you know, to many different charities because whether it's volunteer work time or whether it's just, you know, monetary donations, whether it's product donations, we really value it. It's kind of a tricky thing because I don't want to brag about being generous. <laughs> it feels disingenuous because this is a brand that gives back to the community, not because it wants to sell products, but because it believes it's really the right thing to do. I mean, this is incredible. What a rich and exciting story. I love every part of it. To see the evolution and to understand the entire community is part of it is really kind of heartwarming. You don't hear about that a lot. In fact, ever, I don't think. Chris, I can't believe how fast this conversation has flown. I loved being able to catch up with you and also being able to share your story of not just your career, but this beautiful brand that you're leading. Well, Mimi, thank you for taking the time. You know, again, like we were saying in the beginning, I can't believe I've known you for almost 20 years. It just doesn't seem like it's been that long. But I want to just thank you for all that you do and taking the, the time and all the energy in helping other people tell their stories because there's so many wonderful stories to be told and, it, and it's just a real honor to, to be able to share this with you. And I think yours is an inspiring one. I think people can really learn a lot from your incredible career. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Mimi. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 